is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, coming to you from Gadigal Land, and this is The Full Story. Right, thank you so much for coming at such short notice. On Monday, after six years in power... Today I'm announcing that I'll be stepping down as Premier and as Member for Rockingham. WA Premier Mark McGowan announced his departure from state politics. He's a politician whose COVID response drew the eyes of the world and the ire of a Prime Minister. You are doing more harm than good to your economy. But within his own state of Western Australia, he won record high approval ratings and had a sway that many believe helped pave the way for Anthony Albanese's victory at the federal election. So... Why was Mark McGowan so loved in Western Australia and such a divisive figure elsewhere? Today, the formation of Western Australia's political juggernaut. It's Wednesday, the 31st of May. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Narelle, you've described WA Premier Mark McGowan as a political rock star, and yet, despite that reputation, he resigned. Did anyone see this coming? I don't think anybody did see it coming. I certainly didn't. Narelle Towie is a freelance journalist. The press conference was called with 45 minutes' notice. There was a lot of scrambling by a lot of Perth's media to get there, and then the reaction was was shock before this moment, this resignation, what do we need to know about Mark McGowan and how he became Premier? So uh, I think it's a really interesting story. So he started out in sort of grassroots politics at a council in Rockingham, and then he sort of worked his way up the party and, and he, he didn't align himself with any factions. He sort of stayed in the middle. And as he climbed the sort of the greasy political pole, uh, once he reached towards the top, because he wasn't aligned factionally, it allowed him to gather support from all places within the party. And I think that helped him once he reached the top. He became opposition leader in 2013. And then it was in 2017 that the party came into power here in WA and he took on that top job. Premiers aren't always well known outside of their state. When did he start to make a, a name for himself on the national stage? I think there was sort of a combination of things. I think people started to look in 2017 because Labor kind of painted WA red in that 2017 election. The next Labor Premier of Western Australia... And then once COVID hit, I think then he became that kind of political rock star or or, uh, people really got to know him. When you say political rock star, what do you mean? What type of popularity did Mark McGowan get to throughout his time as Premier? It's such an interesting story. I've never seen anything like it. People were 
declaring their love for him. People were tattooing his face on their body. And then I think West Australians were watching, you know, with fear about what was happening in places like Italy and New York and and England and watching the death toll rise. So there was that worry. And then looking at what was happening over in the eastern states and then McGowan just shut everything down. He followed that expert advice. He used the geographical location of WA to its advantage. Fortress WA came down at 12.01am, 697 days after our border first closed. And this popularity was reflected in the most recent state election, the 2021 state election. What type of win was that for Mark McGowan and Labor? It was the biggest landslide majority win in Australian history. Mark McGowan securing a second term as Western Australia's Premier while seizing near total control of WA politics. Of the 59 lower house seats, 53 went to Labor. And so overall between those two elections, I think it's something like a 25% swing to Labor, which is just massive. And it was, you know, it was so obvious to everybody how that election was going to go that almost three weeks out, the the Liberal candidate held up his white flag. Zach Kirkup just conceded defeat. While McGowan's stance on the border was popular within WA, it had many detractors outside of the state and even internationally after he made some inflammatory comments about India and called for a national travel ban from India. India is the epicentre of uh, death and destruction as we speak. But some of the most notorious detractors were Prime Minister Scott Morrison and billionaire Clive Palmer. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, so look, Scott Morrison wanted borders opened early on in the pandemic. And and this is when cases weren't so high that there were concerns about what it would do to the economy. Clive Palmer also wanted to visit WA for meetings with business people and potential 2021 state election candidates for his United Australia Party, but was knocked back. So Palmer commenced a high court challenge to the border closure. And he cited a section of the constitution that stipulates that trade between states must be free And extraordinarily, the federal government backed this challenge. We're not supporting Clive Palmer. Um, An action has been brought in relation to the WA border. It goes to quite serious constitutional issues, which the Commonwealth uh, could not be silent about. But then... As COVID-19 got worse and and the outbreak took over, especially in Victoria, the federal government uh, pulled out of the Clive Palmer uh, legal challenge. I'm just very pleased Uh, they've listened, Uh, they've changed course. Uh, I think it uh, was the right decision. And then late, I think in 2020, the challenge was rejected by the High Court. So, but the war of words over over the border, like it, it continued on. It's like that movie in The Croods. People wanted to stay in the cave. Some wanted to stay in the cave. And that young girl, she wanted to go out and, and live again and deal with the challenges of living in a different world. Well, COVID is a new, different world. And we need to get out there and live in it. And a really good example of, of how bad this got and the animosity between Clive Palmer and particularly McGowan was sort of played out on the front page of the state newspaper, The West Australian, where at one point they dressed uh, Clive Palmer up <laughs> as, a, as a cane toad. Because he's from Queensland, I assume. Because, yes, because he's from Queensland and obviously cane toads are an invasive species um, here. 
Narell, COVID may have been McGowan's biggest challenge, but it certainly wasn't the only one. You know, the WA government attracted a lot of criticism for their response to the Rio Tinto, Duke and Gorge disaster, saying they haven't done enough to protect Aboriginal heritage sites. And that made news all around the world. What were some of the other big controversies or or missteps during his time as Premier? I think there were a few. There was obviously the the state of the public health system here in WA. And uh, during the pandemic, the hospital system had just been for such a long time so underfunded. There were these issues with not enough nurses. And so even though McGowan's government threw money at the problem and put the beds in place and built the hospitals, there wasn't the staff to run them. So there was the problems with the health system, which still continue. There was nurses striking. At the moment, there's fireys striking. There's issues with uh, public housing, huge issues with like a, ma- a wait list with, with thousands and thousands of families. And that is fueling a problem with homelessness and, and, and sort of the rise in the a lack of uh, public housing, a lack of housing altogether is meaning that rents have risen. And, you know, another thing his government has also been criticised for is their ongoing support of gas and in particular Woodside Scarborough project. Emboldened by high prices and its recent merger with BHP, oil and gas giant Woodside Energy is pushing ahead with its plans to develop one of the nation's biggest fossil fuel projects in a decade. So environmentalists have warned it would be Australia's most polluting fossil fuel project and would make it almost impossible for WA to meet its stated aim of becoming a net zero emitter. So the other really big issue here in WA at the moment is the overrepresentation of First Nations people in the juvenile justice system and and the catastrophe that is Bankshire Hill Juvenile Detention Centre and the riots there. Weapons drawn, specialist prison officers swoop. Their target, teen boys and girls, face down, arms crossed, seven lie on a detention centre roof. This, the final chapter in a 14-hour riot at Bankshire Hill. And the criticisms and the comments that McGowan has been making about these children, a lot of them who have FASD, and he, he in one press conference recently said... Totally, utterly unacceptable. Um, it's a form of terrorism they're engaged in. And the public opinion had definitely turned against him on that issue and he ended up having to come and correct himself. Overall, because of his handling of some of these issues, has his political star fallen in recent months? I would definitely say that it was going down, yes. Next. Under Mark McGowan, Western Australia swayed a federal election. But will that influence live on now that he's gone? Hey, Laura Mefiotes here, one of the hosts of Full Story. It's Guardian Australia's 10th birthday, and to celebrate, we're hosting a special live recording of Full Story at Vivid Sydney in June. We'll be talking about Australia's natural environment and how to save it. I'll be joined by a panel of special guests, including Independent Senator for the ACT, David Pocock, Dr Dennis Rose, a Gunachamara traditional owner and conservation expert, National Co-Convener of the Labor Environment Action Network, Felicity Wade, and Guardian Australia's own environment editor, Adam Morton. 
The event is in Sydney and you can buy tickets on the Vivid Sydney website right now. Just search for Full Story. Okay, we really hope to see you there. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Narelle, I want to talk a bit about Mark McGowan's impact on federal politics as well. The state of Western Australia was pivotal to last year's federal election. Is it fair to say that Mark McGowan helped to secure Anthony Albanese's victory? I think that would be fair to say. Anthony Green on the ABC uh, on the night of the election talked about the fact that the cult of McGowan had had definitely played a role in Labor forming majority. Federally, WA's Labor doesn't usually do well. And in the latest election, because I think of the power of McGowan, there was this swing here for in the federal election. And again, seats were won by, by Labor that normally wouldn't be. Despite this kind of national influence, which is really rare for a Premier, at the end of this week, Mark McGowan will step down from his three roles of Premier, Treasurer and MP for Rockingham. Why? He says it's for, because he's exhausted. The truth is I'm tired, extremely tired. In fact, I'm exhausted. And it certainly would have been exhausting during COVID and, and all the things that he took on. But there's also this thought he, he had reached the top. And so to leave now, he goes out on top. You know, his popularity was was going to always come down. He's been an MP for 26 years, so that is a long time. He was carrying out the role of, of Treasurer and Premier at the same time. So there was three budgets that were passed through under, under him. And, and I think combined with that, the, you know, the pressure that comes from social media and that constant scrutiny, the Bankshire Hill issues have been ongoing and, and he's not as popular as he was in, in 2021. He's tired and he wants a break. And I think that, that a combination of those things is the reason. The tributes have begun to roll in and there's been some fairly prominent ones that you've written about for The Guardian. Can you tell me about how people are remembering his legacy already? So I was looking through his his Facebook page and through Twitter yesterday and it just seemed to be this outpouring of thank you. Thank you for working so hard. Thank you for what you, you did. I was finding comments from residents of WA who were admitting that they were Liberal voters but but thanking him and, and grateful that he was leading the state at that time. Now that McGowan is gone, will this red wave in WA remain? Can, can another Premier attract such attention and support? I think that's a really interesting question and I don't think so. I don't think the public will ever get to know a, a leader quite like they got to know McGowan and I think that was purely because of COVID. I think the politics will go much more back to how it was in the past where people don't really follow what's going on and, and things just kind of bubble away in the background. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine that any other leader will have the exposure or the chance to connect to the community quite like McGowan did. 
That was Narelle Towie, a freelance journalist and head of journalism at Murdoch University. You can read her piece titled Mark McGowan, Why the Only Way Was Down for Western Australia's Political Rockstar at theguardian.com. And we've linked to that on the full story page as well. Before we let you go, a quick note about something we're covering later this week. On Thursday, Ben Robert Smith, Australia's most decorated living soldier, will learn the outcome of his defamation case brought against three Australian newspapers. He says those newspapers have damaged his reputation by falsely suggesting he committed war crimes. Is Ben Robert Smith the paragon of soldierly virtue his lawyers argue he is? Or is he, as the newspapers are alleging in their defence, a brutal murderer who has killed unarmed civilians in breach of the laws of war and sought to intimidate those who might undermine his reputation? This Friday, we go back to the federal court to bring you a new episode of Ben Robert Smith versus the media. Listen to find out the fate of Australia's most decorated living soldier and the wider implications for public interest journalism in Australia. Find Ben Robert Smith versus the media wherever you're listening to this podcast. This episode was produced by myself, James Milsom and Daniel Simo, who also did the sound design and mixing. The executive producer was Miles Martignoni. Our theme music was by Joe Koning. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates. Thanks for listening. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.